Peter Schwitzer? Oh, yeah, it's the guy I listened to when I made my first billion. He's one clever son of a... Five, four... We're online. The hottest internet station. It's time for The Switzer Show with the guy who makes getting richer easier than running up a credit card bill, Peter Switzer. Hello and welcome to The Switzer Show. This is a special radio podcast, Switzer Show, uh, in light of the Royal Commission and the recommendations. Uh, in particular, if you've been reading me in Switzer Daily, you can see that I basically like the work that Ken Hayne and his team have done, but I'm not really happy about mortgage broking. I think there's some even some question marks around insurance as well that need to be looked at. So today, I've got the boss of the Finance Brokers Association of Australia, Peter White, followed up by Anthony Blanche, who's a um, very respected mortgage broker who nowadays uh, operates out of Albury in uh, New South Wales. And then we have Andrew Main, who writes on Switzer Daily, former finance and business uh, editor at the Australian newspaper, We're having a look at some of the aspects of the changes proposed for insurance. So without any further ado, let's go to Peter White from the FBAA. Peter, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Peter. Did you expect this to come out of the Royal Commission? No, we most certainly didn't expect these results to come out of the Royal Commission. I must admit I was uh, sitting there in the lock-up rather flabbergasted of what I was actually reading. You know, I uh, entered into uh, the lock-up on the understanding this was a Royal Commission into misconduct, not a Royal Commission into brokers' remuneration. It's uh, quite a, an amazing uh, outcome. All right, so I guess the, the question I, I have to ask you is, like, how many mortgage brokers are caught or reported for bad behaviour or consumer complaints in a year? Oh, to, to quantify a number is, is a bit difficult. I know from our records it's uh, less than a handful, but according to the ombudsman, with their complaints, it's less than, uh, it's only in the vicinity of 0.5% of complaints. Right, so therefore... Very small. Therefore, consumers largely uh, aren't complaining about mortgage brokers. No, not at all. There was a survey done too, an external research piece that was done uh, and put out uh, about a week and a half ago that showed that um, 96% of um, people who use brokers were happy and 59% of mortgages are originated through brokers. So when you look at consumer sentiment, there's nothing but backing the uh, sector. Okay. Now let's deal with trailing commissions because people yep. who don't understand your industry say, well, they get this money for as long as the life <laughs> of the loan. First question... How long is an average loan? About four years. Okay, four years. So um, what happens if someone closes down the loan after, say, two years? The trail stops. The trail stops. Can I, can I explain trail this way? Yeah. I think it's important that people understand trail is a lay-by. So the banks actually lay by the services of a broker and they pay a deposit on that lay-by, which is the upfront, yeah. and the rest of the money they should have paid is paid over time. Okay. So, yeah, that's a part of a right, simple now, way of looking at it too. Yeah, well, a lot of people think that oh well, what these brokers do is they scan all the lenders out there looking for the one that pays the highest trail, and then they force their customer into a loan where they get the highest trail. Now we got uh, contacted by a, a broker from the Plan Group, and he said, "I get the same trail no matter who I put." my clients into. Is that the industry standard, mate? 
the industry said is that there, there might be two dollars difference somewhere, but they are principally it's the same thing across the board. Yeah, so, so, the, it, so it's not an incentive for a mortgage broker to rip off their customer by dumping them into an expensive loan so they can live the life of Riley in a hammock in Byron Bay. <laughs> Most certainly not. And what we've got to remember too, Peter, is that you know, these are local business people. Mm. They, their kids go to school locally. They uh, go to the local community functions and churches and so on. They live and breathe in the community. Even you know, they can't afford to even consider something like that if it was on the agenda, because mm. uh, they'd be roasted out of their uh, their own private communities. But it just that is not the professionalism and standards of this industry. It doesn't okay. happen. Let's mm. let's look at the. The, the suggestion that consumers yep. should pay up front for a mortgage broker to go and do the work. Now, I know in some countries of the world they actually do it. Can you tell us about how successful that is overseas? Uh, and But how do you think Australians are going to respond to it, particularly first-home buyers? Sure, sure. Um, so let's deal with how, how people respond. That survey that came out the week showed that 96% of people will not pay fee-for-service. That Only 96%. Yeah, well, I would have thought it'd be 100, but it's not yeah. far off it. Um, the, the, the reality is at the end day, it's a supply side cost, and consumers should never be paying this. It's a cost of distribution and acquisition for an institution, for a bank. But when we talk about the overseas models, let's just the Netherlands is the one that's been picked on, and uh, most people aren't across it. We're very close to the Netherlands with the uh, international federation that I'm a part of uh, for mortgage broking, and the Netherlands model is something that where consumers actually do pay a fee for service, but their country, their situation is completely different to ours. It's actually a model that started back in World War II, whereby the Dutch government was trying to stimulate people to get back into housing. And so what they did is had an investment component to it and then bolted a mortgage onto the side of it. And that became tax deductible and so were the fees. Mm. So in today in the Netherlands, and this is being unwound by the mind you, about two years from now it won't exist anyhow. But if you go to a broker, you pay a fee. If you go to a bank, you pay the same fee. Yeah, I was going to say that. Right? It's the only way yeah. it could be fair if everyone Correct. was charged a fee. Exactly right, regardless of how you went about it. But the circumstances to why that evolved was that through the GFC, that investment piece they had attached to this, which is all tax deductible, of course. So the fees you also pay over there are tax deductible. Mm. So it's a, a different regime. But that collapsed in the GFC, and then they had a review of it in 2013. They said, gone, that investment piece doesn't work, so it's out, and mortgage breaking is connected to it, so it's out too. Mm. But the European Union... Their documentation fully supports and, and is um, in legislation that commissions are fine. Mm. So it's only Netherlands stood to one side. It's certainly not the entire European market. Okay. So have you talked to the government and have you talked to Labor about how they're going to respond to it? Because Labor said we're going to put all the – agree with their recommendations, lock, stock and barrel. They even said that before they saw them. And, yep. and Labor's kind of looking like they could agree with the, the trailing commission bit. What, do you, what feedback are you getting at the moment? Well, it's, uh, we're sort of a day and a half or so out, almost two days out from the Royal Commission. And uh, um, at this stage, uh, we've been speaking to government and, and we spoke to them on the day of the, the lockout. Mm. But uh, I'm now in uh, rolling meetings with Labor. 
uh, at very senior levels to talk to them exactly where that's coming from or where they're going to land with this. The reality is if they're not careful, you turn around and put 20,000 small businesses out on the doorstep. Mm. And uh, I can't see uh, Labor really doing that. I think there's a real lack of understanding as the, the unintended consequence of these actions. And um, this is what we're drilling down with both sides of government, a very strategic and, and high-intensity level. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that starts today and, and will go on to and probably past May in a, a very uh, full-on manner. Well, Peter, today I was, uh, had a lunch with the Reserve Bank Governor at the National mm-hmm. Press Club conference. And one of the points he made was that even though interest rates have been going up, the average cost of borrowing is historically very low and it hasn't risen by much at all because there's so much competition in the market nowadays. Now, I wonder where the competition came from, Pete. Can you tell oh, me mate. what was the big change in the world of Australian loans that brought competition to the banks? Most certainly. I lived through it. Uh, and it was all around that mid-90s era. Yep. Uh, brokers had already started to enter the marketplace, so Aussies and Rams and so on started to come out of the woodworks and uh, the early AFGs. And around that mid-90s, the banks started shouting bank branches all around the country, and the brokers stepped up and said, yep, we'll come and see you at your home. Mm-hmm. And that started the big drive because consumers wanted the service. And as it progressed, there were better deals being uh, uh, negotiated by brokers, they were looking after their borrowers, unlike the banks were. And today, 59% of people originate their home loans through a mortgage broker. What percentage? It's convenient. Is that? 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59%. 59
had planned for your industry and your business? Oh, I suppose disappointment. Um, I don't think he fully understands uh, the role of brokers and what they do and the implications of what he has proposed. Okay, t- tell us in a nutshell the way you describe your role. So as a, a broker, um, my role is to um, get my clients the best finance I can um, and that's not always the cheapest finance. They, there are some limits uh, sometimes where they may not fit a lender's guidelines, um, but they will fit another guideline. So the best finance that's available to them and uh, lead them through the minefield and provide them with um, an excellent service at the same time. Anthony, do you think there are many of your customers who don't have a rough idea of what interest rate they would get if they weren't using you? And effectively, when you say, well, look, I can get you a loan at 4%, 4%, do they pretty well say, oh, well, that's better than what I can get or that's a terrific rate compared to what I'm currently paying? Is that the normal reaction you get from a customer? It's, it's probably a 50-50 camp. It's, there's a, the customers that have an idea um, and, and so, yes, you're getting a better rate and they, they do say, well, yep, that's a, a lot better than what I was quoted or what I am currently on at the end of the day. And then there are the clients that, that are referred to you and come to you because you've been highly recommended by other clients and they really haven't um, all that much knowledge of, of uh, what's available and where they stand in terms of finance. So it's an education process for them. Okay. So when it comes to trailing commission, d- does the trailing commission vary greatly lender to lender? It doesn't. It doesn't. So when I do a loan for a client, I'm to find them with a provision of services letter and a proposal and the upfront and trail is is fully disclosed on both those documents that go to the clients Um, and it doesn't vary hugely I mean realistically I can honestly say I haven't looked at what the lenders pay me even though I do those documents all the time I have not looked at that for so long that I couldn't tell you what any of the variances are because That's not in my thinking at all. Yeah, so you, but you're basically saying that the, the level of variance isn't so great that you, know, you would be continually pushing one lender over another. No, it doesn't, that doesn't happen with me at all and I, I firmly believe it happens with very, very few mortgage brokers out there. Okay, now if, if people are so concerned about um, trail, uh, trail commissions, would a solution be, okay, just make the trail a set dollar amount as opposed to a percentage amount? Yeah, and I know it's not ideal because you'd rather get a 0.15% on a million dollars rather than, say, $1,000. But would that be something that would be a lot better than what's currently being proposed by the Royal Commission? Um, something like that would definitely be better. Um, and then there's, there's full disclosure. I suppose, um, you know, the, the only disadvantage I could see is that the, the people who don't want to see uh, any trail would say, well, 
that could be more than what you would be getting as people pay down their loans over time. So, right. you know, the wall is someone that he tracks from a suggestion at the end of the day. Yeah, okay. Now, um, have you done a quick calculation of what's the impact of these Royal Commission recommendations on the potential value of your business if, if you know, after two years, if um, trails are cut out, what kind of impact do you think it has on the value of your business if you tried to sell it? Well, at the moment, our mortgage brokers or a finance broker and mortgage broker's business is valued on their trail. Hmm. That's simply how it is. <laughs> um, so the impact would be that there is no value in my business or any mortgage broker's business. Hmm. Which is a pretty scary proposition. Now, let's go to the idea that, uh, and of course, it seems like Commissioner Hayne and some, some government and labour politicians think this will work. If, if consumers are made to pay up front, how do you think they're going to react? I, I firmly believe they won't, or the majority of them won't um, at the end of the day. Most consumers, if they're faced with a, uh, an upfront fee, they'll either put in the time or if it or they'll just go to a bank because they, they won't want to uh, pay an upfront fee. And, and, you know, if we adopt the one of the proposed methods, which, methods, which is the one that's uh, used by the Dutch, well, they would be paying a fee whichever way they go. Yeah. So I can't see how that's in their best interest. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is that both a bank and a mortgage broker would have to charge an upfront fee to make it at least fair for both sectors. Exactly right, yep. yeah. And that's not the proposal we're hearing about at this point in time. Well, it depends who you talk to, doesn't it, at the moment? There's various opinions out there, but um, yes, it doesn't seem to be, no. Okay, Anthony, so in a perfect world, how, how do you... Look, you've been in the mortgage broking industry for a long time, and I know you've been a, a very successful, highly rated mortgage broker with a good reputation. If the Royal Commission gets its way and and you guys are expected to charge an upfront fee and banks aren't, what's going to happen to, to A, the level of competition in the industry and ultimately what do you think will happen to the interest rates that are charged? Well, the level of competition will, it will have a hugely negative impact on that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't have mortgage brokers in the uh, doing business and, and if there's a fee charge, there will be very few of them. And then on introducing business to those smaller lenders that are driving competition, and some of these lenders will be getting 90% of their business from brokers. Well, the if they if they that can't get that if they can't sell their products at the end of the day, well then there's no competition. So the big four just have all the walking to their branches and mm. they can do whatever they like, which is what they did in the past. Yeah. So the Home Royal Commission is pro-big bank and uh, not great for small lenders? Well, exactly. I mean, we have forgotten the, the, the lessons from the past, Peter. That's what the problem is. You know, mm. why brokers came into this, started in the first place, why trail was introduced in the first place, because it was a deferred upfront mm. uh, commission. So, we, you know, we, we've just gone full circle, it would seem, 
and forgotten the whole reason that uh, brokers exist. Anthony, uh, Anthony Blanche from Albury. What's the name of your your um, mortgage broking business nowadays? So I'm a, a Liberty Credit Advisor. Hmm. Okay, great stuff. Well, thanks for joining us on the program. Okay, thank you, Peter. Anthony Blanche from Albury. As I say, a very uh, respected and experienced broker, and I think he's basically telling you the way it's going to be if Justice Hain gets his way with mortgage broking. Back in a moment. And now, a word from our sponsors. Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Now, here's Switzy. And don't forget, when we say 3.89%, that's our headline rate, and that's also our comparison rate because there are no fees with a Switzer home loan. I'm now talking to one of my illustrious colleagues on Switzer Daily, Andrew Main, who was um, a finance editor or business editor at The Australian in the old days. Oh, that's a, a short and scary title. Yes, indeed. That's correct. <laughs> okay. So the point I'm trying to make, ladies and gentlemen, is that Andrew has had a lot of experience in this particular beat. And I've asked him to look at how the Royal Commission is going to affect insurance in a nutshell, what's going on, uh, Andrew? Um, a, a very great deal. That basically, the insurance industry, there's two sorts of insurance, of course, there's life and there's general insurance. And in both cases, uh, Commissioner Hayne has come down and said, no more trailing commissions. Uh, in fact, no, he, he wants to see commissions entirely eliminated, um, most likely by about, two, by about uh, 2022. Uh, because ASIC's still looking at, at um, how to sort the life, how, how to get rid of commissions in life insurance. What does worry me, I have to say, Peter, is that uh, insurance is a grudge purchase. People don't buy insurance because they want to. They buy it because they have to. And I do think we have to be a little bit careful of chucking out the baby with the bathwater. If there is no incentive to people to buy insurance, uh, and uh, then they're unlikely to get excited about doing so. And cold calling, for instance, hawking, that's been completely um, that's been completely outlawed, as it should be, because we you remember in the Royal Commission there was there was um, uh, freedom insurance was ringing up a young man with Down syndrome and trying to sell him insurance. His father had great difficulty, great difficulty in cancelling the policy. Uh, that that's just that's absolutely terrible because this was a young man who, was, who had no proper understanding of what he was buying. Um, hawking is, is a great word and um, it, it just means the critically fantastic news is that you're no longer going to get people ringing you up and offering you funeral insurance. I don't know if it's an indication of my great age, or something, <laughs> but I've been getting a lot of people trying to sell me funeral insurance. And I was sitting there going, why are they doing this? And it's the old story, it's because they can. Funeral insurance until now has not been classified as a financial product. Mm. So it's been able to escape the, uh, the, the net that basically forbids hawking a financial product. So hopefully that'll be, end of that, be the end of that. I, I very much hope so. Yeah. Andrew, let's go back to the trailing commissions because 
yeah, uh, I know that you know, being a financial planning business myself, and we are a company that you know tried our darndest to rebate commissions, and insurance companies yep. really made it hard for us to do exactly that. But yep. I also do know, and it surprised me when I, I came to learn the industry, that a financial planner or an insurance broker could spend 10 hours trying to get insurance for a client, but because the client had lots of illnesses or whatever, they yep. don't actually they can't get insurance and they might eventually, after 20 hours, find someone who will insure them in Alaska or someplace like that. Yeah. How, how are, are the service providers in the industry going to be paid for the time involved in trying to get a policy? Well, look, uh, Kenneth Hain is, is a judge. He's a retired judge. He's a, he's a very well-respected lawyer. He's on the high court. I believe that he's been more focused on doing something which looks looks and feels right than necessarily creating an environment that's going to run smoothly. Mm. I mean, he's quite understandably, he's been so incensed by some of the scammy things that he keeps coming across that that you can't blame him for saying, look, let's let's devise a system that that is honest and that everyone and, and in a situation where everyone understands who's being paid for what. But yeah, it comes back to your point. If somebody wants, um, if if somebody wants to buy some insurance, it comes along and it takes a, a lot of work by by an agent to, to find an insurer, and then you end up not being able to 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 actually obtain that cover. Then who's going to pay for that? Mm. Um, I'm I'm not saying the judge is wrong, but I think that we might find ourselves. Um, how do I put this? We just have to be careful. That you've got to weigh the incentives, and uh, I mean, let's face it, you do need to have incentives to get people to, to to buy things, with the transparency and clarity that is required that the judge wants to see in the selling of insurance products. Yeah, um, yep, uh, yep, without a doubt. Uh, Go on. Uh, uh, there's a couple of other things. Um, Claims handling. There was a lovely thing that I, I tripped over, which I may have mentioned, is that um, claims, the handling of insurance claims, was until now not described as a uh, what's the word as a financial service. Mm. And you're sitting there going, well, if the insurer doesn't want to pay, then or, or is, is busy thinking about paying, what the heck is it if it's not a financial service? Anyway, it's now going to be called a financial service, and that was ASIC that asked for it. And I'm just going to quote from the judge. He said, there can be no basis in principle or in practice to say that obliging an insurer to handle claims efficiently, honestly, and fairly is to impose on the individual or insurer or the industry more generally a, a burden it should not bear. So he's, uh, he's, he's actually, he writes very clearly, for a lawyer anyway, uh, that he basically says, you, you, it, it's, not, it's nonsense not to consider claims handling as a financial service. So that's that's something that he's uh, he's most particularly called upon. I've got one more uh, villainy to, to look at. That's the car dealers. Um, as I discovered many years ago, Larry Adler, who started FAI, um, he he was heard to say that um, it's it, you can make money selling cars, but it's the it's the finance that uh, where you can where you, where you can really make the money. Now, what what uh, what the car dealers are going to be faced with now? Not so much financing, but uh, what's called add-on insurance, things like tyres and windscreens and, and, and various other services. Mm. There's now going to be a cap on the amount of add-on insurance that they can sell 
plus there, there will be a time gap imposed between the sale, the time of the, the vehicle is sold and the add-on policies are actually activated. So this is, this is to stop people getting sucked in by, uh, by car dealers who say, you'll, you'll need, you'll need uh, windscreen insurance, you'll need tire insurance. Well, last time I looked, it's a bit over $100 for a tire. I don't like spending over $100 for a tire, but I don't expect to have, I, I don't see the merit in paying somebody an insurance premium I'm just prepared to take my own risk. And yep. that's, that's how most people go about it. So, so, that's, so, that's so far, Andrew, job. what has been the industry response? I figured that they don't want to be too vocal because, you know, they, they kind of got off, you know, a, a lot easier than we expected. But has there been an industry response to how are we going to make this work? It, it, it sounds good in principle, and that's what you're basically saying, that yep. this wonderful lawyer um, – has identified bad practices, but he hasn't really come up with an alternative, has he? Well, nobody in the insurance industry has come out and had a lash at the commission, but there was an insurance lawyer. Um, I'm looking through my notes here. That's a roaring noise of me looking, shifting bits of paper. Uh, there was an insurance lawyer who I think was quoted in the Financial Review today, uh, just basically saying that while it, he understands why uh, the judge wants to see certain um, th oh, thing, things like, um, I think it was uh, commissions being abolished. The insurance lawyer kind of wants to know how how the market is going to work. Hmm. And um, I mean, there, I know, I've noticed some people calling for the government to be the insurer of last <laughs> resort. Um, but I've, I think that's, I, I, I can't trust the federal government to run something as as specific as an, as an insurance company, I think we I think we've got to live with, I think we've just got to live with the insurers being out there and, and doing the best they can. Mm. Um, so, coming to just to summarise, there hasn't been a, a formal response in the insurance industry, um, probably because half of them are running around Townsville at the moment, uh, sort of dealing with an, yeah, with yeah. a state of emergency, but what they call a declaring a catastrophe. But also. Um, they probably just want to hunker down for the next couple of days and wait till they see which way the wind's going to blow. Um, and and I, I, think, I think they're right. Uh, I mean, I believe that it's just disgraceful what some of the insurers were doing in terms of not wanting to pay up. Um, there were certainly, in, I haven't touched on, but there was some stuff with, the C, with Cominsure, which is owned by the Commonwealth Bank, with definitions of what is or isn't a heart attack. Mm. And they went through a, a test case of, somebody who clearly had had a heart attack and still didn't get paid out on, on, a, uh, on a TPD, I think total uh, permanent disablement policy, mm. and a lady who'd had, um, who had some form of, uh, of insurance and had breast cancer. Uh, I mean, it all looks like niggling. It looks like trying not to pay. And I mean, I think the banks are the ones who've taken the biggest pounding in this, uh, in, in this Royal Commission. But I think the insurers have certainly been held up to be just either cutting corners when it comes to selling things, or putting up the uh, putting up the pulling down the drawbridge, if you like, so putting down the portcullis when it comes to actually paying out. Uh, and I think that that's very unfortunate. So I think the insurers have got a lot of ground to make up, and it's going to be hard for them because they're not. There's no. There's going to be no commissions mm. for anybody. Um, but nevertheless. I, I'm a committed capitalist. I think you are too. Mm. Uh, I think there will be uh, systems 
are bound to emerge whereby people can buy insurance online. They may even find it gets cheaper. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be. One last one, because you've been on the beat for a long time, I don't want to emphasise your your age well, challenge my, issues, Andrew. Antiquity, that's right. You should see my new beard. Anyway, carry <laughs> but the, on. But the, the, the thing is, have you ever seen a government and an opposition jump in so um, happily to say, oh, we're going to support all these recommendations. And when clearly our discussions, particularly on insurance and, and prior to you, on mortgage broking, it shows yep. that the recommendations should be acknowledged but tweaked to make sure they work in the real world. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I mean, that I, if I wasn't uh, party to the discussion about mortgage brokers, but the difficulty there, somebody pointed this out, is if you go along to somebody who's trying to borrow money and say, look, you'll need to pay up a couple of thousand dollars up, up front, uh, they'll, they'll, um, they'll jump on top of the nearest cupboard and, and, and sit there shivering. Um, they, people don't like to have to pay up front. So it's all very well to say they shouldn't pay trailing commissions uh, they certainly shouldn't pay commissions that, are, that they don't know about. But it, it is a real, real problem that we, we're living in this world where people hate to pay and they want services. There has to be a little bit of a balance um, achieved here. And I think the judge has generally done a very good job. But I think there will need to be one or two tweaks. And for goodness sake, he's, he's come up with, what did we say, 75 or 76 recommendations. Mm, yeah. it's, it's madness to assume that all 76 of them are um, really wonderful. They, you know, that's not the way the world works. Mm. He's a very smart bloke. He also makes his abun feelings abundantly clear in a, in a way that we can all understand. He doesn't write in lawyerly language. Mm. He just writes in language mm. that we can all understand. I really applaud that. But... I think I think we we may have to look at one or two of those areas, mm. and whatever we should do, we shouldn't politicise them. I noticed Chris Bowen was having an early go at um, at Josh Frydenberg over the fact that uh, Josh was nervous about acceding to the to that seventy sixth recommendation about uh, about mortgage brokers and mm. and imposing the costs on the borrower rather than the, rather than the lender. So I I think we've got to be We've got to be honest, there is one final point I'd like to make to you, which is that it's going to be very hard to turn any of this stuff into law very quickly because we've got five more sitting days of Parliament before it's likely to be, wound, be prorogued for the election. Um, of, well, not, and there's also the, the budget, so that, that cuts into that. There's only five more sitting days. And even if there's a change of government just before June 30, there's no way in the world that that a government can make uh, new bits of legislation effective as from the 1st of July without risking um, the, the, the real horror of having taken shortcuts. Yep, without a doubt. Andrew Main, star writer on the Switzer uh, Daily website. Thanks for yep. joining us. Thank you. As I say, that's Andrew Main. Thanks for joining us on this little special radio podcast, Switzer Show. Uh, looking at um, the Royal Commission recommendations, and uh, they're largely good. They're largely great, I think. But the implementation of them will have to be done by politicians, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that they get it right. I'm Peter Switzer. Britain time! Britain time! <laughs>